Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. On today's episode, I have a swimmer that I've uh, worked with over the last few, well, longer than the last few months, but uh, I've got Scott Roth on the podcast. So Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I sent you a message uh, a couple of weeks ago saying, would you like to jump on the podcast? Because um, we've done some stroke analysis coaching um, together for a while and uh, you've been getting some really good results. And one of the things you said was your stroke count had gone from an average of about 18 strokes a lap down to 14 consistently. And I thought, well, that's a, that's a good thing to talk about and see what you've done to, to make. But you're also swimming pretty quick. You're racing, with, uh, racing as a master swimmer. And uh, I think you went a 103 for the 100 short course yards the other day. And you said you're targeting sub 60, which is always a, uh, a good target to go for. So <laughs> it'd be great to get you on the podcast, talk about what, where you were when we first started working together, what's your background as a swimmer. And then what are some of those things that you've worked on in the last couple of months and, and, and longer than that to uh, see improvements in your, in your swimming? So maybe just to start, what, what is your, your swimming background and, um, and what do you do for, for work as well? So how do you fit all of that in? Sure, sure. So um, I'm, I'm a master swimmer. I just turned 60 last, last week. And uh, growing up, I, you know, I, was, I was an age group swimmer. I um, swam from age maybe about 8 to 18 on club teams. So back in the 60s and 70s, there wasn't a lot of emphasis on freestyle techniques, at least that I can remember. Um, pretty old school kind of swimmer, you know, big wide S pull through my freestyle. And the only way you got better was to do more of it. So um, if you were doing it wrong, you were doing it wrong, compounded. <laughs> and uh, I got to be pretty good in my teenage years, um, made it to New Jersey State. I'm from uh, the States, New Jersey State uh, Junior Olympics. And by the time I was about 17 or 18, I kind of burned out from the sport. And also, since you asked what I do, I'm an architect. So um, when I applied to colleges to get into architecture school, there really was no time to have a sport at the same time. So my swimming career pretty much ended at age 18. Um, but I still kept in shape. I um, got into track and cross country and uh, started to do some cycling. And then uh, triathlon became very popular. It actually kind of was born in my era. And when I got into triathlon a little bit, I realized I had to jump back into the pool and do something to be able to make it through a 800-meter swim. So I joined a local gym. This is in my 30s now. Um, just to, probably about four to six weeks before a triathlon just to get my feet wet and feel like I can make it through the swim. And that's pretty much all I did as far as training. And then after triathlon season was over, I put it away. I was done with swimming at that point again. So years went by, decades went by, I stopped doing triathlons. And um, it wasn't until I was in my early 50s that I started to get back into physical shape again. Started with running and cycling. Um, I really enjoyed cycling because it didn't give me many injuries and running did. So I dropped the running and kept with the cycling. And I actually started a cycling club here in Chicago uh, it's been going for 10 years now, and there's a bunch of uh, younger guys. I'm the oldest one on, on the club. And uh, the younger guys all are into triathlon. Some of them are very good. A lot of post-grads right out of college, so they're fresh off their 
uh, college swimming and, and cycling and triathlon days. So I had to really start to keep up with this group and as I'm aging at the same time. Um, so one of the guys on our cycling club, he is a swimmer as well. He does triathlons and he was on this master's team that's here in Chicago. And he invited me to come along because we were going to do a triathlon together. And I was like, look, before I get into a, a two hour, hour and a half type of training session, I got to make sure I can handle, you know, three to 4,000 meters in, in, a, in one swim, in a workout. So I spent about two or three weeks um, kind of mimicking what they had on the, the whiteboard as far as the workout was concerned. And um, I could not do any of the intervals that were on that board. Um, I barely could understand the workouts. I mean, this is how much the sport has changed, right? I mean, I would read these workouts and it looked like an algebraic formula to me. You know, <laughs> I was used to doing 10 of one thing or five of one thing, but all of these sets had different speeds and variables and stroke counts. And I just didn't know what it all meant. So I finally said, look, I'll just dive in and see where I'm at. So I went to my first practice and this was about a year and a half ago. Um, and the coaches were very good. We actually had the next Olympian as one of the coaches from Hungary, uh, his, his country. And they're very good at structuring the workouts. But, you know, when you get into a group or a squad or a team, um, you know, it's hard to work on any kind of stroke technique when you've got 30, 40 people in a pool and, you, and you're really just trying to get everyone in a workout in an hour to an hour and a half. So um, they put me on the slow lane and I slowed I uh, progressively moved up to the, some of the faster lanes, but I was getting, I was getting in shape um, maybe aerobically, but I wasn't getting any faster. And when I would finish a set or like a few 100s, I was just gassed. Um, it was just, I, I, could, I just figured it was old age. So anyway, um, at one point, the coach started uh, you know, pointing, yelling out pointers to me in the middle of the set, which is not the best way to correct your stroke when you're trying to survive. And um, all he kept saying to me was, you're spinning, you're spinning, you're not gliding, you're, you're just moving your arms as fast as you can. And, um, you're not grabbing the water, you're slipping. He's, he's saying all these terms. And I thought I was a good swimmer. I had no idea what he was talking about. And uh, truth be told, I, I just took it all to heart because I'm a learner and I'm going to fix this problem. So I, I just jumped. I got back from the workout and my wife looked at me and I was just deflated. And I said, look, I thought I was doing great, but you know, they must have reinvented freestyle since I did it last time. <laughs> So um, I said, I got to blow this thing up and kind of start over again. There's a whole new way of doing things. I barely understood the workout and these term terms that were being uh, presented to me, I didn't understand. So I got on YouTube, as anyone would do, and started looking up uh, freestyle. And, you know, a plethora of, of videos come up and I was like, wow, there's a lot of focus on this, on this one stroke. You just and it wasn't, worms, eh? you, <laughs> when you're talking yeah, yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And, and, you know, and, and they all kind of said the same thing, but they all had different approaches. But what happened was um, I wanted to be more effortless because what my main problem was, I was getting gassed after, you know, a hundred uh, repeats with, you know, on a one forty-five or two minute interval, which to me, that, that seemed pretty easy. So I noticed your videos, effortless swimming, which is, or effortless freestyle is what I was looking for. 
and started watching your videos. And I was like, wow, this is like right on point. It's simple to understand. Uh, the thing that I really loved about it was you had real people doing it. It wasn't just charts and graphs and, and diagrams and um, they weren't all professionals. There are some professionals in there, but you had other people posting their issues and then you're critiquing them. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. This is exactly what I need. So I didn't tell my coaches back at the master's team that I was going to jump into an online <laughs> coaching service because I don't want to offend them. <laughs> and I wanted to get this corrected so it, I could actually perform better at the practices and not get yelled at all the time. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so um, I, I started with, I, I didn't jump into the membership right away. I started watching your um, videos that had more of the drills and what the drills were for. And then I would try to get to the pool five or 10 minutes early before the warm up and try to implement a couple of these drills, not really knowing what I was trying to correct at the same time. And, um, you know, they seem to, to have a purpose, they seem to, you know, in the warm up, I seem to be able to to do some things. But then once we started the practice, it was just all on, and you know, everything kind of fell apart. So that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to join this um, program and get some real tutoring and some real uh, coaching on the side here. So the next thing I have to do is technology, right? How am I going to record myself? I had no idea. So um, I just so I searched. Uh, Underwater cameras. I got myself a GoPro. Um, had to figure out a couple of weeks how to work that thing, and then get to the gym or get to the pool on the days that we weren't working out, and actually record myself. So that's what I did. Um, I got into uh, you know I got my own lane. This is all during COVID, so it was very difficult to get pool time on top of it. And our particular pool really didn't want anyone recording anything, so I had to find you know the outside lane at an odd odd hour of the day to get in there and, and and record myself and then shoot them off to you and give you my little background story in a in a text or an email and 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 here we are so um yeah that, that's that's a long-winded background but that's how we got to where we are right now that's great that's uh i was speaking to someone on the weekend who and she said oh, i got she got some instruction. Uh, I think she went, maybe went to a clinic or some, you know, like a couple hour thing. And the only feedback she got was that the only thing good about your stroke is your breathing. And she was like, okay, well, that's like, um, it's really helpful. Thanks so much for, for that. Uh, and yeah. I find it's um, like as a, um, yeah, it's just like, first of all, that's, yeah, it's not very helpful. It doesn't help me make any changes and uh, you probably don't you know, feel good about your, about your swimming. So the approach I've always wanted to, take with people especially adults is well first of all people probably don't know what they should and shouldn't be doing and that's that's the mm -hmm. first thing so why give them a hard time if they're not doing the right thing and secondly there's a lot to coordinate when you're swimming so uh you know you, you can't expect people to be swimming uh swimming perfectly and to get things straight away it's like these things take time so why be you know, a bit of why be an asshole when you're coaching uh why don't you just be um yeah, patient and, and nice about it. And people are going to be a lot more receptive that way. So I think um, not to say that your, your coaches are, are that way, but um, I certainly know some, uh, some coaches that, yeah, that have that approach and I just don't find it very helpful at all. And I've had coaches like that uh, in the past. And then in terms of what your, so what we sort of picked out at the start and what you've worked on over that time, what were some of those initial things that, 
that we saw and uh, and what were you thinking about then when you went back to the pool to work on them? Sure. So I guess the thing that really stuck in my head, um, which was the critique from my coaches, and and believe me, I um, I really think that we have a great coaching staff, um, and they do take the time to to work with you when you ask for it. But I didn't even know what to ask for. I mean, that was really where it started. Um, but the whole spinning and slipping thing, I really didn't understand what that meant. And it wasn't until you, I sent you the videos and the first thing you said to me was, you're not front quadrant swimming or freestyle stroke. I had no idea what that meant. And then when you showed it in the video of how the quadrants were broken down and how you have to have one hand always in front of your head, um, to me, it was almost like a, a three quarter catch up kind of a, a, a drill that we would do in practice. But, you know, drills that I knew 40 years ago were to relax. <laughs> that was to give yourself a break from the workout. It wasn't to correct anything. So, um, yeah, the front quadrant freestyle was really the big thing that was the um, eye opener to me. And then how to do it and then how is that going to make me better in the pool? So I went right back in and started trying it. And the first thing I noticed was I've got a lot of dead space when I reach out and try to you know, get the other hand in. And what I ended up doing was, as you mentioned, I was kicking way too hard in between the poles. And I was just as exhausted trying to do what I was, you know, the distances I was doing before, but it might look prettier. So it didn't really accomplish what I was uh, set out to do. And then we talked and we went back and forth on some other uh, videos and um, you mentioned about trying trying not to put all your uh, effort into the kick into these two uh, a, as you pull from each side and um, what I then did was you know I looked at your eight-week um, program that you had and in one of those weeks I think it was week seven uh, was about the uh, the kick to match the timing of your pull so I really just focused on that um, my, my natural kick is kind of a two-beat crossover kind of kick. Um, I was a, kind of a middle distance distance swimmer as a kid, and I, I guess that just, you know, fit me well. Uh, so I tried to really implement the one kick per pull on each side, and then I'll fill in a little bit in between where I could. And then it wasn't until you said the word, I'm, I'm very visual because I'm an architect, right? Um, it wasn't until you mentioned to me, um, think of it as skating that's when the light bulb went off in my head it was like ah i know how to skate i know how to ski i know what that glide kind of feels like and you, you put an effort in and you get the most in return for that one push so for weeks that's all i kept thinking was glide skate glide skate and really try to get that timing down with my down kick on one pull with one leg and see how that works out so i felt like i was really improving and, and i think i was um, and then what I realized was it felt slower, but I was still going the same speed. And that really didn't click in my head until I started applying this to the repeat sets we were doing in practice because I didn't want to end up at the back of the line in the lane line um, while I'm trying all this stuff. But I realized I'm staying in the same position on that. I'm doing this technique. And as you mentioned, my and in the middle of the 200, I said, well, let me wait till about the 125 or 150 and count my strokes because I'm kind of exhausted that, at that point, and I'll see what, how I am when I'm tired. And I counted my strokes, and it was 14 strokes. And I realized, you know what? I've always been an 
stroke per lap swimmer and my stroke count's coming down and I'm hitting about the same times. That was a couple seconds faster on the hundred uh, with this new technique and nobody's yelling at me. <laughs> so something's working. Um, so yeah, so that was the big change in, in my stroke. Um, from that now I'm now we're really working on, you know, getting my catch correct. I think, and believe me, the, the catch, the reach and the catch, that whole high elbow um, uh, recovery thing, um, that's all new to me. I mean, back in my day, 40 years ago, high elbow uh, swimming meant put your elbow towards the sky when you take it out of the water. Mm. It was to get you that kind of hinge look, right? When you're swimming on, on the over the water, not under the water. Nothing was done under the water because we didn't have cameras. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, yeah, I, start, I started to really focus on, now that I've got that kind of concept down of the front quadrant, and I'm doing it enough now that when I stop doing it, or if I'm too tired and I'm pulling down too hard, too fast, I recognize it. Where before it was the other way around. It was like I had to think about doing it. Now I realize when I'm not doing it. So I know that's, that's kind of the muscle memory thing. Um, so yeah, now with the uh, catch, I'm really starting to focus on where that positioning to be and, and applying some of those other drills that you have, the YMCA and that, that sort of stuff to get that catch down. And I think even mentioned in one of my more recent videos that the catch is right there, it's in the right mm -hmm. position. Um, and now, now it's more of a tweaking thing. Um, I'm still doing a little bit of crossover. I've always had a crossover on my stroke as I, as I pull down. But I noticed that it's less now than it was before. And that's probably because, you know, if I'm not doing front quadrant, I'm, I'm just spinning my arms so much. I'm trying to balance myself in whichever way the arms are moving is the way they're moving. So um, we got one arm straightened out. The other arm's almost there, but it still crosses a little bit. It's just I'm breathing now. So I feel we're making progress there. Um, but anyway, after all this technique stuff, um, we had a uh, swim meet uh, for the master's team come up about three months ago, and I hadn't been in a pool for time other than, you know, uh, a couple sets at the end of a practice, but I hadn't been off the starting blocks in 40 years, so that was a little intimidating, yeah. um, and that's a whole other subject to talk about, uh, and um, so we went to the swim meet, and I said, you know, I'm just going to do a 50 and 100 free. I'm a breaststroker, too. I had a 50 breaststroke in there. Uh, but when I did the, got on the blocks for the 100 free, I had no idea what to enter my time at because, you know, I had been working with you and I had gotten my repeat times down to about 117 on a 130 interval. And this is short course yards. And actually now I'm down to about 115, 116 on that same set. Uh, but I, I didn't know what it was going to feel like fresh off a block. So um, I, I did. I went all out. And I did a 103.3. And I was like, whoa, uh, this is this is pretty exciting. <laughs> so um, I got something now to uh, hang on my wall that, you know, look, I can I can actually have a chance here to break a minute. So my goal, like I said, is to be under 60 at age 60. And I've got about two more <laughs> months to do that because I actually qualified for uh, the U.S. Masters Nationals, which is at the end of April here in San Antonio, Texas. So that's my goal. A quick note from our sponsor. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Form Swim Goggles. With these goggles, you don't have to look at the pace clock anymore or be one of those swimmers in the pool always grabbing for their watch. With Form Smart Swim Goggles, you can see all of your key metrics while you're swimming, distance, pace, stroke rate, 
they've got it all. And the swim data is displayed on the goggle lens and you can customize the display to see the metrics that you want to. And I was worried that it was going to be distracting, but you can literally see through the display, the metrics are always there, but you have to choose to focus on them. It's really impressive. And it makes hitting intervals or any kind of specific training much more manageable and achievable. And the goggles track it all, it's automated. So from the time you start your session to the end of the swim, you don't have to press any buttons in between. It automatically tracks everything. Form also works with a bunch of the best pro athletes out there, including Lionel Sanders, Sarah Crowley, Hannah Wells, and Olympic champion, Usama Maluli, to name a few. These form goggles are for all types of swimming too. One pair of goggles, and you can use them in the pool, the open water, you can use them in swim spas and endless pools too. So the same pair of goggles can be used in all of these different environments. The battery life is incredible too. One hour charge is 16 hours of swimming time battery life. And you can have the display on either your right or your left eye. The goggles themselves come with anti-fog solution that's used in dive masks. So it's great in terms of quality. And there's a protective case with a nifty drainage solution. So after you swim, you can store them safely. And while the goggles connect to the form swim app on your smartphone too, they will sync with the form app and there you can review all of the details of your swim. And you can see what other swimmers are up to in the form swim community as well. I'm a big fan of these goggles. I was really impressed when I used them and I use them for a vast majority of the sessions that I'm currently doing. To find out more about the form swim goggles, go to formswim.com and you can use our coupon code effortless at checkout and save $15 off your order. Back to the podcast. Fantastic. And it's so going back to the the first thing you mentioned there, which was the the front quadrant part of the stroke that can take mm-hmm. a couple of sessions to work out for people who let's say aren't front quadrant because sometimes they'll either go too far with it. You know, too much of a catch up where one hand's meeting the other one out the front, there's a big pause and then you're kicking hard to try and work through that dead spot in the stroke. And so it sounds like you hit that. And then we had to find that sweet spot in the, in the middle, which just takes a bit of, yeah, a bit of, bit of practice and um yeah it's like and once you get it it's like oh okay this is this feels good you can get that sensation of skating as opposed to feeling you're you're on this treadmill with no stop button on it and that helps keep the heart rate down obviously the stroke count comes down along along with it and i find that skating uh analogy helpful for a lot of people because it that's kind of it's what it feels like it's like you're just skating on that arm or that that armpit every time you you take a stroke there and we want to keep the hand in motion. It should never stop out in front. And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what skating is like a nice skater on the rink there. It's just like that travel time left, left to right. Um, now, obviously uh, it's like a 50 sprints, maybe a little bit different. You won't have that much of a skating sensation because your stroke rates up high, but anything mid mm-hmm. to long distance, it's um, for most people, it's going to feel like they're, they're skating side to side. And I, I like the fact that you've now gone from that, that conscious where you really have to think about things. And conscious, and when you're conscious about all these movements, it's it's very taxing in terms of energy-wise, just mentally. Like it uses a lot of um, energy to to think about this consistently. But then, with enough time, with enough practice, it's it then becomes subconscious, and you realize when you're not when those things aren't in place. And um, that's it's great when you've got that awareness because then you know you you can pick up if things have fallen out of place, and you know what it should feel like, and and uh, yeah, and, and you got to that that point which is which is terrific do you know roughly how long that took for you to make it become subconscious yeah i would say it was a good couple months um if not more and you know even to this day um you know at the end of a practice when we're really pushing hard i really then i have to really think okay what am i doing here am i am i trying to make this 
just make it interval or am I thinking about not falling, not having my stroke fall apart? And I always choose to have my stroke be the number one uh, concern there and I still make it. So, you know, it's important because, you know, if, if you're, if you're, if you're pushing hard uh, and you're doing it wrong or things start to fall apart, it's not going to help you in the long run. And that's, that's kind of what I've learned, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it took two or three months for that to really sink in. Like I said, now, um, now I notice when I'm not doing it, which is, it tells me that it's really embedded in there. And when it came to your, your hundred freestyle, your, your sprint in the race there, do you know, were you using a two beat kick or were you going with a six beat? Do you have any idea about what, what sort of style you were doing there? Sure. It was definitely more than two. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, because, you know, and I, I never knew this either, that you can change your kicks, right, based on the speed and the distance you're doing. Because, like I said, I was always kind of a middle distance, the distance swimmer. So I never really um, needed that explosiveness from the blocks to the finish and keep the motor running. Um, I like to pace myself. And then, I would, you know, obviously on the last 50 or the last whatever of, of whatever you're doing, you would turn up the kick. But, yeah, on that 100, I was definitely a – four probably six is my guess um but you know and, and i al I also have learned and this is more recently is when we get into these sprint sets because a lot of people are asking me questions now and i'm trying to help them you know through this too and i they say look i'm a sprinter i'm never going to do more than 100 why do i need to lay out there and do this thing that you would be doing if you were doing like a a mile swim in the ocean or something like that I said, you know what, that's a good point. And then what I noticed was in my own hundred when I was sprinting, I didn't necessarily take that extra time out there, but it made me reach further and I felt the water more. So I was really aware of grabbing the water where before I would just be spinning and, mm -hmm. and trying, to, trying to make it as fast as I could. So there's a sensation you get out of it, is, I guess is what I'm saying, is that you feel the force of you pulling the water differently, even though your stroke rate or count is is picking up when you're sprinting. Yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good question for them to to ask. And when you look at when you look at sprinters, really good sprinters, look at Caleb Dressel, who's probably the best you know, best example of that, the fastest man on the planet over fifteen hundred. He he's like super high stroke rate, but if you look at him under the water, he still enters and reaches forwards before he starts the the catch. He doesn't go in. And straight down there's still that reach and i think it's a combination of like you get uh like you're more streamlined that's kind of your fastest point through the stroke there when you're reaching forwards because that's when you're most streamlined so you want to take that split second to be in that position so you can maximize the kind of propulsion from your rotation and your hand exiting so you, you need to keep your length there for a split second and then the other part of it too is when you are up here instead of maybe like you've just gone deep you get that length through these muscles and your torso and your, your hips mm -hmm. and you, you really get more of that sort of serape effect where those muscles all work together there. Whereas if you're just like short here, you never quite, quite get it because the muscles haven't, um, you know, haven't lengthened. So I think it's a combination of, of those two things. And even though it's a lot more subtle when you're sprinting, it's, it's still really, really important. And I film a lot of people I see at clinics where probably like, let's say one in, I don't know, one in three to a quarter of the adults that come to clinics, they don't have that reach phase. It's just enter and straight down and right. show them. And it's like, it's so much more drag, first of all, and you're missing out on that much 
of your setup phase in the in the catch. And so, um, yeah, if, if you're doing that, that's an easy win just to make things easier and to to find some extra speed. And um, yeah, I'd say mm -hmm. a good good majority of people who haven't had much instruction, and if they look like they're swimming short, that's a big a big factor. I'd say. Right. Right. The other thing I noticed too, and I think I mentioned this in one of our um, critiques was I had taken a break because I was getting some rotator cuff problems and I got, I had to go through physical therapy to, to work on that. And that was just as I was starting to get this concept down. But I think I was, I was pushing too hard the other way and it was putting too much stress on my right rotator cuff and my right shoulder. And until I got this glide down and this to be kick thing down, the, sh the shoulder resolved itself. Mm. So I, I, I say that's an, a testament to this, this way of swimming. Absolutely. So you felt like you were putting too much uh, power into the, the downward part of the stroke. Yeah. 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 Because you know, the only way to get fat, if you're swimming that way, the only way to get faster is to pull harder. There's no, there's no efficiency out of it. So, you know, that's probably what I was doing was just pulling too hard, too fast, too deep, too straight armed. Mm. And it just, war on my shoulder and then you know switching over to this method um my shoulder has resolved itself that's great it's great to hear and it's it, it's really common I, I have a number of swimmers who come to clinics so i work with online that they've got shoulder pain yeah you know, it's pretty common when you're swimming and large like yeah majority of the time it's from something that they're doing in their in their stroke and there's a, there's a few causes there so one is like you mentioned they're just applying too much downwards force uh, in the beginning and so it's like you know if you're up here and you're you're pushing hard it's like well yeah that loads up through the rotator cuff uh, a lot so that's sort of no surprise i had a girl um on the weekend a, a young girl who's um training for the english channel uh, later this year she was getting some shoulder pain. She's doing some big Ks, but one of the things she was doing was she was great swimmer, wonderful looking catch and pull, but she was overdoing it to the point where she was trying to be too shallow, like, you know, high elbows and she's trying to go high near the surface. So she was very shallow and then really close to the body. She was just getting jammed up through there. So it wasn't mm -hmm. allowing her to kind of use the, the bigger, stronger muscles through her back and shoulders because she was overdoing her her high elbow. And then when she went a bit deeper, she was like, yeah, okay, this feels so much better. Um, and then there's sometimes I think with the recovery, like you mentioned the high elbow recovery, trying to come over really high yeah. over the top. Um, right. When people are trying to do that, they normally just, their hands too close to the body. They're like, it's an awkward position. And, and when I demonstrate it too, when I'm in person, I'm like trying to be careful. Cause it's like, it doesn't feel great when you with your shoulder. So if you can be in a more natural right. position, which is usually a little bit wider, yeah, a lot more comfortable. So there's a couple things there that if you have got shoulder problems when you swim, um, tech it can be because of your your technique. So they're you know some of the three three main ones there that mm -hmm. I that I see. Sure, sure. And um, the other thing you mentioned earlier was so your if you catch and you pull, one of the things you were doing was coming under the body. So the fingertips are yes. kind of pointing off to the side of the pool instead of pointing mostly to the bottom. And um, right. and so you said that. For you, it was because you weren't reaching forwards that you'd, you'd enter, you'd go deep. And then there's kind of nowhere else for that arm to go except for under the body because it's got to pull through. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then also uh, the other thing I noticed too on the front quadrant version of doing that um, and getting the timing down with my kick. So, you know, you can't do everything at once. You have to learn these things in parts. So once I started understanding the kind of catch up way of doing the pull, 
Um, now I'm trying to memorize and, and time my down kick with my arm. So that forces me to leave it out there in the right position longer. Otherwise, you know, I get all out of balance and, and kind of snake my way down the, down the pool. So um, yeah, having the correct catch is just as important as doing the front quadrant to, to make this whole thing work in the timing. And that, that kick timing, there's sort of two ways to, to think about it. The one that you mentioned, which is you want to try and time your right arm catch at the same time as you kick down on that, that right side. And yep. especially for, you know, usually especially for a two beat kick and you know, more distant sort of style, that's a good way to think of it. And when you get it working together, like you, you feel it, you kind of just feel everything working together and you get that skating sensation. And the other way to think of it, which is, it's basically the same thing, but it's another way just to, to think of things is you can either time your hand entry with your right foot kicking down. So going opposite. It's kind. Of, it's basically the same thing, but uh, a different way to, to think of it. And I find some people prefer it the first way. Some people prefer it the second way. It really just um, just depends. And it's a very hard to think about anything else apart from your kick timing when you're doing it because it's just I don't know. It's a bit of an awkward one to kind of be thinking yeah. about much when you when you swim. Um, yeah, it's which, like it's like dancing, which I'm not good at either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me, me either. Don't worry, man. <laughs> Trust me on that one. Um, yeah, so it's um, it is a bit of a, a tricky one. Uh, something to help there is that uh, if you're trying to think about it on both sides, it can be a little bit too overwhelming. So I'll get people to start yeah. just by thinking of one side only. Just go right arm, right leg, tune into that sort of feeling and that rhythm. And then once you've kind of got that, just just go by feel rather than thinking too much about all right, catch and kick together. No, just just tune into that right. that rhythm that you've you've got and dance as best as you can when you when you're swimming right right yeah and and to your point i'm only about i don't know three or four weeks into this trying to really focus on it and you're right i'm doing it for both sides is difficult for me right now i've got the right uh hand right foot motion synchronized i'm not quite there on the left but i i'm doing it enough that it's making an improvement for me to not leave my you know not fill that dead speed with a bunch of uh, dead, dead space with a bunch of kicks. Mm. Yeah. And that's, um, so in, for those that are doing the eight week faster freestyle course in the membership, that's week seven, we talk about kick, kick timing. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of the feedback I've had is that like it, that that's helped a lot of people um, reduce their stroke count. Cause when things are working together, then obviously you're going to travel further with each stroke and it's going to be a lot less, a lot less effort. Um, but we work on that in week, in, in week seven, because um, we get the, some of the other things just in place first with balance and breathing right. and recovery and all right. those sorts of things. So you, you could work on it earlier on, but, uh, I think, yeah, towards the end, I, I find is, um, is, is best for most people because it's one of those mm -hmm. things that's, it's hard to think about <laughs> for, for too, yeah. too much. It can be a bit overwhelming. Sure. Sure. So, so looking, uh, you know, looking forwards, what, what, uh, what do you enjoy most about, about your swimming? and being back in the water after swimming as a teenager and then not being in the water for, for a number of years? Well, I guess um, what I'm so excited about is I feel like there's so much more to learn and so much more to correct and so much better to get even as I age. Um, the proof's in the pudding in my times that are dropping. And uh, I look at this as a lifelong thing now where before it was just like, you know, the season was over. Oh, thank goodness. And then you moved on to another sport. 
but this is now something that's enjoyable. And, you know, my goal, my real long-term goal is to look like the guy in your video, uh, what's his name? Dan Smith, uh, the <laughs> easiest 110 for 100 meters freestyle. If I can make my stroke, I don't know if I'll do 110, but if I can make my stroke look like that guy, that's that's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be getting any comments at the uh, at the pool when uh, when you're swimming uh, like Dan is there. It's um it's a beautiful yeah. stroke, isn't it? And it's just it's like yeah. poetry. Yeah, it is. It is. There's um there's a girl who just recently completed a a double crossing of Lake Taupo, which is over in New Zealand. It's about forty k's each way, so it's about an eighty k swim. And uh, mm. so wow. there's a video that was posted on just one of the, the swim groups, New Zealand swim groups. And she has, she's got a stroke very much like that. And it's just a, oh, it's just a beautiful stroke. And uh, she's doing that for, you know, for this big, long swim. Um, I'm going to, um, I think, contact her and um, maybe get her on the podcast as well and share that footage because it's just, it's mesmerizing to watch when you see someone with that, that grace and that timing and just that, that sort of perfect looking stroke. So it's uh yeah it's it's achievable and uh, 70th birthday if you're cruising up and down even if yeah. it's 120 pace <laughs> <laughs> looking like that it's a uh, it's a good thing to aim for so uh, yeah. Scott I appreciate you yeah. uh, you being on the podcast and uh, it's been great working with you and I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. Thank you I enjoyed it and I look forward to keep doing it as well. Thank you, Brenton. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.